Right now, it's time to visit uh, with our good friend Andy Isco, The Logical Approach, the author of The Logical Approach newsletter, and uh, been doing it since 1982, right here in Las Vegas. Andy, what's going on, my friend? Well, you, you had me moving here about a decade earlier than I did. I moved here in 1991, but that's still over 30 years, and it's Dang. a long time, and uh, I've loved being here in Las Vegas, the great experience, especially back uh, when, I, when I came uh, in 91, we were sort of in the transition period between old Las Vegas and corporate Las Vegas, so I'm glad that I was able to at least experience a few years of, uh, of old Las Vegas before things uh, made the transformation. So, uh, my fault, Andy, you're right. I, I, I said, I meant, uh, you know, 92, uh, 91, it's actually, uh, you know, but I came in 92. You and I came about the same, the same time. You came one year before I did. And then, of course, I, I left and came back again. But, uh, no, I remember, Remember those days very, very well. And, uh, hey, not to be like the get off my lawn, you know, type of guy, but man, those are some great times when we were back here in the nineties, man. Some, some very good times, especially from the sports book perspective as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you had, oh, I don't know how many properties, but most of them were unaffiliated. In fact, yep. uh, you go back to those days, uh, you could not necessarily uh, cash wagers made at uh, one Boyd property at another Boyd property or things like that. All of that has changed. You had the, uh, I, when I got here, it was still after, it was after the handwritten tickets, but we still had the old chalkboards, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a great experience to learn from, and it's something, unfortunately, that uh, the people coming into the sports marketplace today will never have a chance to enjoy and compare and uh, as you know we were uh, we were the sportsbook directors were very liberal with their comps back in those days as you well know Andy very liberal with the comps and we had some some great uh, food joints that we could go to and late night food jo uh, joints as well too back in the day Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember many nights uh, doing the Stardust line yeah. from 10 to midnight on Saturday nights and then going over to, uh, what was it, Coco Palms, the uh, coffee shop, <laughs> something like this, something along those yeah. lines. And yeah. then uh, William B's, the restaurant, or yeah. Tony Roma's, yeah. which was in there. A lot of really great restaurants back then. And unfortunately, uh, well, they've been replaced by good restaurants, but different ambiance. Yeah, very true. All right, Andy, uh, how the playoffs have been treating you so far here after uh, the, whatever we want to call it, the super wild card round? I, I actually had a fine weekend uh, uh, with the uh, with the sides uh, sort of split out on the totals, but a couple of them were very close. Uh, you know, I, I always like to point out the difference between fortunate and lucky. Uh, I had Jacksonville. I was lucky in that one. If you had Buffalo, because you know, by all rights, they should not have won that game down twenty-seven, nothing. Okay, and because the line was two and a half, um, they probably shouldn't have even covered in that one. So that I, I, that's like a definition of lucky. Definition of fortunate is if you had Buffalo on the money line and they're up early, but late in the game in the fourth quarter, they're hanging on to that three-point lead, and Miami had two possessions to either tie the score or take the lead, and Buffalo held them both times. So Buffalo was fortunate in holding on. I wouldn't say they were lucky to hold on. They were fortunate to hold on, as opposed to Jacksonville, lucky to uh, to come back and not just cover, but uh, win the game outright. And uh, uh, the other games, um, the, the Giant-Minnesota game was interesting because the Giants, after they traded touchdowns early, the Giants basically took the lead and were either ahead or tied the rest of the way. They've played extremely well against the Minnesota team that I'm not going to say that they were uh, overrated, but because they won those 11-1 scores, 
scoreboard of games, they were much better in the win-loss column than their record suggested. So I was not surprised to see Minnesota go down last week. As far as uh, Baltimore-Cincinnati, it's a typical AFC uh, North game. And interestingly, of course, they, uh, they played late in the season. And in both, in both of those games, depending upon when you bet the Ravens or when you bet the uh, Bengals, you could have either won both, lost both, or gone one and one because the closing line was very close to the final score in uh, last week's game. And in uh, the, uh, the regular season game, it uh, opened, I think, around six and a half or seven, ended up going up to uh, 11 and a half. And I think they won that one by 11. So number of interesting games from last week. Uh, I was not surprised with San Francisco, with um, Dallas uh, beating Tampa Bay. This was not the same Tampa Bay team that we've seen in years past, even with Brady. He struggled most of the season. So I was on Dallas, and it was as much a play on Dallas uh, as it was against Tampa Bay. And uh, I know the league might have liked to see Tom Brady make it, but he's not the same quarterback. And I know that there's a lot of talk about him coming to the Raiders. And I'm thinking the Raiders, they're not really in a win-now mode. I think they need to be looking towards the future, a year or two down the road to be a contender uh, and uh, to turn things over to a guy who might just have one or two years left. I'm not sure that that's the smartest decision to be made when you're looking at two, three years and trying to be, uh, let's call it a perennial contender in a division where it looks as though Kansas City and the uh, Chargers are set to be contenders uh, into the foreseeable future. Nope, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Andy Isco joins us. And you mentioned... Uh the beginning there about the money line, like with the bills and a lot of people, you know, they don't want to play money lines, you know, when you have a, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 point favorite, you know, the bills closed it at 14. I'm curious in your handicapping, do you play many money lines and are you an advocate of say a money line parlay when you do get like, like to me, this is a great weekend. If you don't want to lay eight and a half with the chiefs or, you know, um, you know, five with the bills or whatever, it's, it's, it's really good money line parlay action where you could actually turn around to either, you know, turn into an even money bet or even, you know, plus money, depending on which game you hook it to, whether it's Kansas City, Philadelphia or Kansas City, Buffalo. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, the first thing I'll say about the teasers, I, I will never tease across, or I say, I won't say never, rarely, if ever, will I tease across zero because in the playoffs, you're giving up one number that comes in very infrequently during the regular season. There were only two ties in the regular season when, uh, uh, the point spread lands uh, zero. Well, it can't land zero, uh, in, uh, in a, uh, the final score cannot land zero in a playoff game. So you're giving up one number, whether you're playing a six, uh, six and a half or seven point, uh, uh well, six or seven point teaser because final scores can't end in half points. So that's one thing I won't do. As far as the money line parlay versus a teaser, uh, I, one of the reasons I don't like to parlay big favorites in there is that although they are more likely, much more likely than not to, to win the game, like for example, Buffalo last week, when you compute, let's say you do a, uh, let's say you do, for whatever reason you do a five team money line parlay and you're laying like uh, maybe 250, 260, 300, and then you're laying minus 800. Figure out what the 14 parlay pays without that, my, that, that big favorite, and then figure out what it pays with the big favorite, and you find out that even though the risk may be minimal, the amount of return that, the amount of increased return that you get from paying those decent sized money lines with the ex uh, favorites with a huge money line favorite, I'm not sure that you can justify uh, the risk for that because, uh, look, we almost saw it happen last week with, uh, uh, with, uh, with Buffalo that that could have destroyed 
enjoyed a lot of parlays, and you were going to be laying a huge money line price. So, you know, don't you don't want to get too greedy. But uh, I, I normally look first to uh, look to tease through uh, the key numbers of a uh, seven eight on the upside and down below uh, uh, four and three on the uh, on the downside. All right, let's take a look at these games real quick. Andy Jacksonville and Kansas City. The Chiefs sitting at eight and a half right now. Total around fifty three. Uh, who do you like and why here? I like Kansas City in this uh, spot. Uh, it was in the middle of the season that these teams met. In fact, uh, uh, Kansas City, they've won five straight and ten of eleven. So this was uh, one of those winning streaks in the middle of the season. Uh, they hosted the... Uh, uh, the Jags, they were nine-and-a-half-point home favorites. They won the game 27-17, to 17, so it goes down as a point spread cover by a half point, but they really dominated that game statistically. They outgained the Jaguars 486-315. to 315. Uh, That's 171 yards. And, and what I look at even more, on a yards-per-play basis, uh, which tells you how efficient they've been when they had the ball. Some teams might run 50 plays. Some teams might run 65 plays in a game. On a yards-per-play basis, it was 7.8 for the Jags and 5.2. For the uh, uh, seven point eight for the Chiefs, five point two for the Jaguars. The reason the game was close, uh, Kansas City minus three in uh, in turnovers. So they really dominated uh, that first game, and they're actually laying a little bit less than they did at minus eight and a half versus the minus nine and a half. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, maybe he uh, just had those first half jitters. He played well in the second half. Uh, Kansas City, we know the great record that uh, Andy Reid, the coach, has had both with Philadelphia and with the Chiefs. I think the rest does Kansas City. Uh, a great deal of good. They catch Jacksonville. I'm not going to say Jacksonville is going to be flat or not motivated. Clearly, you don't need motivation for revenge uh, for that first meeting. Uh, you just need motivation because you win and you advance in the playoffs. That's all that you really need. So I don't think the fact that they lost earlier. I just think Kansas City is the much better team right now. They're well-rested. And this should be one of their best efforts of the playoffs. And if you look at uh, what Kansas City has done, uh, you know they've been scoring 30 points with a great degree of regularity over the entirety of the uh, of the season. And that might be enough for them to get something like a 31-17 type win. If there is a popular dog out there in this round, Andy, it's probably the Giants. And they're getting 7.5 against Philadelphia. We know that you know people love teams that... Uh, have played well at the end of the season and then go against teams that have struggled a little bit towards the end of the season. We've seen that with the Eagles, you know, losing two out of the last three games, losing to uh, New Orleans and Dallas. And do you get the feeling here that this Eagles team could be one of those teams that, you know, maybe uh, might be a little bit overrated, especially the way they played down the stretch? about overrated. I, I like the fact that they played uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback in the final game of the regular season against the Giants because he had been out for a few games and knowing that they were going to have a bye this week with a win uh, that uh, I don't know that they wanted to have Hurts be sitting out about a month before he sees live, sees live action again. They didn't have too many run plays for Hurts which makes a lot of sense because that's where he's more likely to get re-injured if at all. So I think Philadelphia played it smart but still don't know if Hurts will be uh, 100%. One thing that the Eagles did very well this year is uh, they led the NFL with 70 defensive sacks, which uh, could be an issue against Daniel uh, Jones and the uh, uh, and the Giants. But if you look at Philadelphia overall in turnovers, which is something I like to look at, their turnover uh, margin, Philadelphia in the first half of the season was plus 13. Second half of the season, they were minus 5, so they did not have the same sort of uh, turnover success uh, over the second half of the season that they uh, did earlier. Giants were pretty decent. They 
uh, they were amongst the top teams in the league in avoiding turnovers all season. I think they had just 16 uh, turnovers that they uh, uh, that, that they uh, that they lost, which is pretty remarkable for a team that uh, relied on a quarterback who was not held in high esteem before the season began. I think uh, uh, that uh, uh, Jones has uh, certainly increased his value, and most likely, I'm going to guess, will return to the uh, to the Giants next year. I think the Giants have a chance to uh, keep it close. What's interesting uh, in you, if you look at uh, uh, the history of third meetings in the divisional round of the playoffs, this is just the seventh time I think it's been since divisional realignment in 2002 that a divisional round games is the third matchup between teams. Underdog is four and two straight up, five and one uh, ATS. All of those games, as will this one be, on the road for the underdog. That may just be indicative of the great familiarity that these division rivals have. That Philadelphia, because they won the first two games, less likely to make changes uh, than the Giants are, who had success. What I liked about the Giants in that in that uh, 22-16 losses, they were down big in the fourth quarter, and even though they were backups that were playing, they did not uh, quit, and they made a game of it. And if I recall correctly, I think they had a possession late in the game when they were down by six. So Philadelphia, which needed the win to wrap up the division, was in a little bit of danger. Not sure how much that impact that has this week, but I do think the Giants are able to keep this game uh, game competitive. Now those are Saturday games, and we look at Sunday's games. Uh, probably one of the most anticipated games, Andy, it definitely was three weeks ago uh, with Cincinnati and Buffalo, and of course we all remember uh, what happened there with DeMar Hamlin, and now these teams will actually meet in Buffalo, and Buffalo uh, is favored by five, even five and a half at some places. Uh, give me some thoughts on, uh, we know that Cincinnati's got a banged up offensive line. They, they were banged up weeks ago and now they're even more banged up uh, going against Buffalo who really, you know, underperformed last week. And as, as you, as you mentioned, you know, just, uh, almost, almost, uh, fortunate enough, uh, to be advancing on here. Yeah, the offensive line had played well for much of the season, especially over the second half of the season. If you look, if you break the season down into uh, two components, games one through nine, and then games ten through uh, the end of the regular season, uh, the Burrow and the quarterbacks were were sacked 32 times in those first nine games, just 16 times uh, the rest of the regular season. Of course, last week uh, was a little bit of a different game as well. Uh, the 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 key to me in this game uh, may be Buffalo's ability to run the football being much better than Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's offensive advantage is in the uh, overall quality of the uh, receiving game. What I like about Cincinnati quite a bit, here's a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, they played their best football at the end of the season to make it all the way through the playoffs into the Super Bowl, and they come into the season being the team to beat in the AFC, and usually you don't expect teams like that to have great point spread records. If you remember Kansas City, the year after they won the Super Bowl, they were not great against the point spread. Cincinnati, something like 13-4 and four this year uh, against the uh, point spread. Of course, the point spread result in the last week and the week before against Baltimore could have tilted it either way, but that's still very impressive to have that good of a point spread record. And, of course, uh, the uh, Bills have won eight straight, going 4-4 four and four ATS uh, down the stretch, and the Bengals have won nine, going 7-2 and two, uh, ATS. And I think both of those spread losses, uh, which I charted, were against, uh, uh, were against the, uh, the, the Ravens. Uh, this is the more of the four games, this is the one that I have 
perhaps the least confidence about, but I will be taking the points, although I do expect Buffalo to win the game. I think I made the score something like uh, 23-20, 24-20-Buffalo. So I think Cincinnati will be in there to the end, or maybe they'll have the lead and Buffalo will do what Buffalo does. Keep in mind, last week against Miami, Josh Allen, the horrible game. You talked about the fumbles and the interceptions. He was sacked seven times by the Dolphins. Absolutely was. All right, then uh, Dallas and San Francisco will close it out. Uh, total 46. The Niners only favored by four here, Andy. I say only because a lot of people are thinking, well, maybe the Niners should be favored by maybe five or six in, in, in this situation, considering this team has won 11 in a row, and we've seen good Dak Prescott last week uh, against Tampa Bay, but again, you know, nice matchup for him, but we've seen a lot of bad Dak Prescott. I tend to agree with you. I liked Dallas last week. I also felt that line was too low, and maybe it was because the thought was going to be that money would come out, come in on uh, on Tampa Bay. And actually, the line actually opened. I know at the Westgate opened with Dallas three and a half. Didn't take very long for that line to go down below three to two and a half, and pretty much sat there the entire week. So the early movement did go towards uh, uh, Tampa Bay, but that was not the same Tampa Bay team that we've been used to. They struggled offensively all season, and did again last week against Dallas. San Francisco, uh, you take a look at uh, what they've done over the uh, second half of the season. Uh, they've reduced their turnover significantly, increased their takeaways decently, and even in, uh, in sacks, they were sacked 29 times in the uh, first uh, uh, nine games, only 18 times. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, they, they had 29 sacks in the first half of the season. They were sacked 18 times. Uh, they only recorded 18 sacks in the second half of the season, so that was down a little bit, but now they're going up against Dak Prescott, which uh, may make it a little bit uh, more difficult for Prescott. The one statistical edge that I give Dallas, and the stats across the board are fairly even in most of the major categories. The one area where Dallas, or actually where San Francisco seems to have the best edge, is in defending the run. Uh, the 49ers allow just 79 yards per game. That's 3.4 per rush. And Dallas is pretty decent, but still allowed a full 4.4 yards per rush. That's one yard per rush more, and 100 129 yards per game, which is 50 yards uh, more per game. So I think that San Francisco, because of the diversity, and they don't ask Brock Purdy to do too much. Uh, They don't need need him to win games. He's got so much talent around him. I think San Francisco wins this game. Wouldn't be surprised if it's like 10 to 13 points. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. uh, The legend, Andy Isco, longtime author of The Logical Approach, my man. Uh, I appreciate uh, the time, as always. Great stuff. Hey, and good luck to you this weekend, my friend. I appreciate any time being on with you, TC, and I especially enjoy your food reviews. There you go. Absolutely. Thank you very much, my man. I appreciate you chiming in with that as well, too. And we'll definitely have to go get a... Got to get a bite to eat together, my friend. That's what we got to do. We can each take... I'll, I'll get over to the Westgate one of these Fridays. Love it. All right, Andy. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate take you. Take care. All right, there he is, Andy Esco. All right, one of my favorites. Again, been around a long time. Continues handicapping at a very high level. The logical approach. Go check that out.